Hey folks, you know what? A small regret is slouching in the dentist chair thinking I should have brushed and flossed better. A big health regret is listening to your doctor and thinking I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. I have that regret a lot. Better health today and when it matters most is why I take Field of Greens. Field of Greens is unlike any fruit and vegetable or green product. Field of Greens isn't watered down extracts. Field of Greens is an organic superfood. It's whole fruits and vegetables. Each fruit and vegetable was selected by doctors to support vital body functions like heart, liver, kidneys, metabolism, and of course, your immune system. And only Field of Greens is backed by a better health promise. At your next checkup, your doctor will notice your improved health or you're gonna get your money back. Don't look back and say, I should have paid attention to nutrition when I was younger. Field of Greens is a key to better health today, right now, and when it matters most. Let's get you started with 15% off and free shipping. All you got to do is visit fieldofgreens.com and use the promo code JUSTNEWS at checkout. That's promo code JUSTNEWS at fieldofgreens.com. Hello, America, and welcome to a new edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News. There's been a lot of that news around the last few days on the Russia front, the Ukraine front, and the China front. And today we're going to spend a lot of our time talking about China. I've got a new story up on Just the News that takes a look at a decision that was made during the Obama-Biden era back in 2013 uh, that has had a consequential impact on U.S.-China relations and the uh, risk factors that Americans have when they invest in Chinese companies. You're not going to want to miss that. We've got a great uh, interview with Roger Robinson, the former economic advisor to President Ronald Reagan, who has been uh, a bellwether on raising issues uh, concerning America's vulnerabilities with China. He's going to talk specifically about my new story and about the recent action by President Trump to uh, end or order uh, the federal board that oversees pension money for military workers and federal workers, ordering them not to proceed with a plan to invest in Chinese companies that included some bad actors and military companies. So we, we broke that story and then the president acted. And now there's a new initiative underway to get President Trump to uh, intervene in this Wall Street matter involving Chinese investments and the risks that American investors face because of some bad decision-making made by the Obama-Biden years. Uh, and then we've also got a few developments on the Russia front. Yes, Lindsey Graham is ramping up a total of 50-plus subpoenas he's seeking authority for. We're going to see the first real hearings in Senate Judiciary. But I'd also keep my eye on Senators Grassley and Johnson. They've got something rolling. And when we come back from the commercial break, I'm going to talk to you about that. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. Please remember to support our sponsors and advertisers. They make this podcast and all the great reporting at Just the News possible. All right, I'm going to talk in a second about that China story because it's going to lead into our great interview with Roger Robinson, the fantastic uh, former advisor to Ronald Reagan. But before we get to that, uh, I remember there was a time not so long ago when uh, our listeners and readers were pleading for any action by the Senate, by the House, to do any further investigation into Russiagate and Ukraine Gate. Now, we can't stop it. We can't shake it away with a stick. All over Capitol Hill, there are developments um, where Republicans are taking the lead for the first time, truly drilling down into what happened with Russia uh, and the uh, false narrative that was told about Russia collusion. And also now, what we really might have known about Joe Biden 
and Ukraine and other activities involving our embassy in Ukraine had it not been for the impeachment proceedings last year that scared Republicans away from it. So let me give you some quick updates on what's going on. Uh, first off, Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Lindsey Graham has uh, prepared uh, a vote to uh, authorize as many as 50-plus subpoenas to key figures in the Russiagate investigation. That includes James Comey and Andy McCabe and all the suspects that we've been talking to for uh, to you about for over two years. Uh, that's a big development. It's the first time we've seen real significant public activity by the Senate Judiciary Committee. I do know behind the scenes that there's been significant um, uh, investigating going on by the good staff that uh, Senator uh, Graham has on the Judiciary Committee. They're digging in. They found a lot of explosive details. Uh, I think uh, their case has been furthered by the recent declassification of information by Attorney General Barr and by uh, Acting Director of National Intelligence Rick Grinnell. Those Flynn documents, those Russia this, uh, unmasking requests, uh, they've given momentum and confidence and courage to Republicans to finally go out and have the sort of hearings that give the American people the visibility, the accountability that we've been lacking from this story. But that's not the only one to watch. Tomorrow, the Senate Governmental Affairs Committee, the Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee, one of the more powerful committees in, in Congress, they are going to hold a vote to authorize a subpoena to go get documents from Blue Star Strategies. That's the Democratic-connected lobbying, consulting, communications firm that was meeting with the State Department in Washington and the U.S. Embassy in Kiev, Ukraine, trying to help Burisma Holdings, yeah, that's the gas company that hired Hunter Biden, to get out of a criminal investigation, get out of the corruption allegations that dogged it in, in, um, uh, all throughout Ukraine, and quite frankly, in their perception in America, these activities were going on right in the middle of the 26th election, and Blue Star's effort to settle the case really ramped up in the fall of 2016 when it became apparent Donald Trump might be the next president, the 45th president of America. So uh, we, we've known about Blue Star. I've put them on the map. We've written some stories. We've gotten some memos from Ukraine prosecutors. Now we're going to get an opportunity to see if the Senate and, it, and its Republican leadership uh, will authorize a subpoena to force this firm to say, what were they doing for Hunter Biden? What were they doing for Brisma? Did they have any contact with people around Vice President Joe Biden? Was it just isolated to the State Department contacts that you and I have discussed on this show before? That is a significant development. Now, here's the person to keep an eye on tomorrow, Mitt Romney. Yes, the Republican from Utah. He's not been on board with uh, Senator Johnson or Senator Grassley in trying to allow this investigation to go forward. He has a personal friend, a political um, acquaintance that has been on Breesma's board that he's friendly with, and we don't know if that's the reason why. But if he does not join the Republicans tomorrow, this subpoena will not get issued. And the path to finding out what Blue Star knew about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, the U.S. Embassy, the State Department, the Ukraine prosecutors will come to an end unless they can get it to the floor. So uh, I would keep an eye on that development. Um, the Ukraine investigation is moving at lightning speed. You haven't heard much about it because Ron Johnson doesn't talk much about it. But his team has been putting together a sensational investigation. They've obtained thousands of pages of documents from the Obama archives, from the State Department, from intelligence agencies, from the FBI, 
they have a far more complete picture of what was going on inside our U.S. Embassy with Ambassador Marie Ivanovich, with her predecessor, Jeffrey Pyatt, and uh, with the entire Brisma scandal. And uh, I would expect the following things to happen. The subpoena vote tomorrow. If they can't get Blue Star, then they're going to move on to an interim report, maybe in the summer. That's what my sources are telling me, June, July. Here's what the committee has already found just in the documents that they've obtained. And then I would look for Senator Johnson to do something bold, maybe something like the old church committee hearings. I don't know if you remember those. Those were back in the 70s, and they highlighted abuses in the intelligence community, the FBI, the CIA particularly. Um, I think Senator Johnson may go big with a play and do a a church committee-like investigation of what was going on in our State Department, in our bureaucracies, the intersection of the FBI, the State Department, the CIA in Ukraine, and all the political forces that might have been trying to shape and influence and change what was going on in our embassy and in our Ukraine policy. I would expect that the interim report in those hearings in the fall may address issues like, did Ukraine try to really meddle in the election in different ways? That's a U.S. election. Did our Ukraine embassy try to assist or facilitate efforts by Hunter Biden to repair the uh, reputation of Burisma Holdings or to pressure Ukraine prosecutors to end the case? And what did everybody and I mean everybody, know about Joe Biden's effort to get the Ukraine prosecutor fired, who was leading the investigation of Burisma, which, of course, involved Hunter Biden. Uh, That is going on. So one ground zero for the uh, Senate investigation is the Russia collusion hearings by Senator Graham, Lindsey Graham. Yes, they are happening. I know a lot of people had doubts. I've been saying on TV for some time, nope, there's a great investigation going on. And there's going to be some hearings, and uh, that came true this week with the announcement of the subpoenas and the planned scheduled hearings in June from Senator Graham. That's going to be Russia, Flynn, FISA, FBI abuses, uh, and maybe some CIA stuff from the period of January through, through July of 2016. What did the CIA know about the early efforts to probe a Trump-Russia connection? Uh, I think that's all in Lindsey Graham's uh, backyard and likely to create some dramatic hearings for television and probably some new revelations. And then separately, I think you're going to see a second set of hearings from Senator Ron Johnson and the Senate Homeland and Governmental Affairs Committee. Those hearings are likely uh, to focus on Ukraine and the Hunter Biden Burisma questions. What was the, was our embassy in Ukraine interfering with Ukrainian prosecutors' ability to investigate Did our State Department witnesses, Marie Ivanovich, George Kent, and others, give us a complete story during impeachment? And uh, what was the vice president really up to when he tried to force the firing of Prosecutor General Victor Shokin in March of 2016? You know, that's the famous event where Biden's caught on tape saying you don't get your billion dollars, Ukraine, unless you fire the prosecutor. And it turns out that prosecutor, Mr. Shokin, was the one investigating Burisma and Uh, Hunter Biden's company and actually was making plans, as we know from Mr. Shokin himself, uh, to interview Hunter Biden. What a black eye that would have been for Biden and Hillary Clinton in the middle of the 2016 election if Joe Biden's son was about to be hauled before Ukrainian prosecutors to ask, why were you making $3 million in Ukraine in a natural gas company when you didn't have any natural gas experience and while your dad was running the Ukraine policy for the United States? Um, All of that is going to fall under Ron Johnson, 
that could be another dramatic set of hearings. Keep in mind, we haven't known or seen this. It hasn't been visible, but Senator Johnson's team has obtained significant documents from the Obama archives, the National Archives records of President Obama that could resolve some of these questions involving Hunter Biden, the whistleblowers, uh, Burisma impeachment. Uh, in addition, they've been able to get cooperation from the State Department. There have been productions there. They're looking to interview witnesses over the next few weeks. This is going to be a dramatic summer of disclosures. And for all of us who have fought for transparency, for truth on what went on in both Russia and Ukraine, and as we all know, they're connected, they're interconnected. One doesn't happen without the other. Uh, this summer could be a summer of reckoning, a summer of transparency, a summer of revelations where we get closer to the complete truth of what happened with Joe Biden and Burisma and Hunter Biden and what happened with the FBI, James Comey, Andrew McCabe, James, uh, uh, John Brennan and, the, and James Clapper and the entire crowd that pursued the Russia collusion narrative that bamboozled the American public for two or three years. What a moment to be watching for. Stay tuned. It's going to be a big summer of revelations. I'm fairly certain from my reporting that that will hold true. Now, one last thing before we get to Roger Robinson, the former Reagan advisor, uh, uh, somebody who knows a lot about the China threat and has been working behind the scenes to get actions taken by people like President Trump and by Congress to lessen America's vulnerabilities to Chinese spying, to Chinese economic competition, unfair competition. Um, uh, this morning, I have a story out. It goes back to a decision that was made by an organization you've probably never heard of called the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board. Yep, I'm pretty sure no one has heard of it <laughs> before today. But it's a tiny board. It was created by the Sarbanes-Oxy financial markets reform legislation after the Enron collapse. And its job is to make sure that when companies get audited for Wall Street, for NASDAQ, for uh, the Dow Jones, that those audits are reliable, that they meet the best standards, and that the auditors are telling us the truth, unlike what we saw in Enron. Uh, that uh, agency, it's a nonprofit agency that works under the auspices of the Securities and Exchange Commission, the PCAOB, as it's called, in alphabet soup land, uh, it also is responsible for ensuring that foreign companies that enter the U.S. market, that are listed on the U.S. markets, uh, also comply. And one of the sticking points has been China. China doesn't want us to see their audits of their companies. They don't want to allow inspections. Audits and inspections are a key part of the Sarbanes-Oxy transparency requirements. And guess what? China doesn't like them. So back in 2013, under the Obama-Biden years, uh, after Joe Biden had met several times with Chinese leaders, including the future President Xi, um, they, the Chinese kept saying, we want better access to your markets. You're thwarting our access to the markets. We want to get your American capital invested in our Chinese companies so we can grow and have the benefit of, of capital market access. After they made that case to uh, Vice President Biden in multiple meetings, the PCAOB, that uh, organization under the Securities and Exchange Commission, uh, cut a deal with China. It was called a MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding. And in it, China met America halfway. All right, we're not going to let you do the inspections that uh, the are required under Sarbanes-Oxley, but we will give you access to documents when you request them so you can make sure that our Chinese companies that are listed on the U.S. stock markets are honestly giving a, an accounting of their finances so investors are protected. Well, seven years later, and all throughout that period, China never complied with that agreement. 
and the PCAOB has been complaining but did nothing. It didn't withdraw the agreement. It hasn't delisted or deregistered any of the Chinese companies. And so American investors are flying blind. They don't have the same protections that they would have when they invest in an American company to be sure that the audits and the financial statements, the claims of revenue and profit are real and that you're making a good investment based on real data. In China, that's not the case. And recently, there was a very painful case of a company in China that had um, uh, promised to become the next Starbucks of, of China. They were telling everybody they were going to be the, the next Starbucks of China. And its name of the company, uh, for those of you who remember this, it happened about, I think about a month or so ago. It was called Lucan Coffee, L-U-C-K-I-N Coffee, Lucan Coffee. The next Starbucks of China, they claimed they had a valuation of $12 billion um, and they raised a half billion dollars in, in the American capital markets based on those claims of revenue and, and valuation. And then the company collapsed earlier this year. And here's why. They admit it. They fabricated their revenue numbers. It was all made up. The very thing that um, the Sarbanes-Oxley law was designed to prevent, the very thing that the PCAOB is designed to ensure that audits and financial statements and statements of revenue, statements of valuation are based on sound um, accounting practices, not not figment uh, numbers. Well, guess what? It happened, and, and those investors lost their shirt in Luke and, Co uh, Luke and Coffee. So uh, this is a very real issue. Uh, the, the deal that was cut under the Obama-Biden years um, has not worked. It's essentially inoperative. And what does it do? It allows the Chinese companies to have access to the American markets without having to comply with the same rules and laws <clears throat> that American companies do. That's something that's unfair. And it's the sort of thing that President Trump has repeatedly talked about in his negotiations with China. We need to level the playing field. They can't have an unfair advantage on American soil. Well, they've had one thanks to the Obama-Biden decision-making back in 2013. And now in my story today, I have the President Trump's outside China advisor. You've heard him on the show before, Michael Pillsbury. Not a government employee, but a very influential voice in the president's ear on China policy. He played a big role in getting the president just earlier this month to react to our story and to take the action that prevented the Federal Pension Board for federal uh, retirement uh, retirees from investing their retirement money in Chinese companies the president stopped that at the recommendation of his extraordinary outside advisor, Michael Pillsbury. Well, in today's story, Pillsbury says he's advising the president, you need to intervene on this stock market issue. You can't let China have access to our markets when they're not complying with the same Sarbanes-Oxley accounting rules that all American and other allied companies uh, and countries do when they access our markets. I would keep an eye on this. This could be a very big development. If the president intervened, it could send shockwaves through the market. It could also send a strong, clear message to China that on our country, on our soil, with our money, you play by our rules. So that's what uh, Michael Pillsbury is recommending to the president. Let's see what impact this story has. Uh, when we come back from the commercial break, Roger Robinson, somebody who's played an important role in both of these China stories that we just talked about, he joins us for a conversation about what President Trump's options are, what the unfair factors are that allowed China to get to the position it is today, non-compliance and yet benefiting from American uh, equity, American capital markets. Um, he's going to give us a great insights and, and might even tell us what would Reagan do 
if he were here today and faced with the same circumstances. So right after the commercial break, Roger Robinson, former Ronald Reagan advisor, joining John Solomon Reports. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, our guest, Roger Robinson, the chairman of the Prague Security Studies Institute and a former senior economic advisor to President Ronald Reagan joins us. Roger, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. I had the pleasure of uh, talking to you yesterday as we did this story on China. And I uh, described earlier in the podcast to our listeners uh, what the story is about. But I wanted to get your, your specific take. It is a remarkable time to learn that for seven years now, we've had an agreement with China that allows its companies to trade on our stock markets in return for them providing access to audits of their Chinese companies. This is required under the Sarbanes-Oxley law. And yet, for seven years, the Chinese haven't complied. And for seven years, the United States hasn't done anything. How could that happen? Well, first, John, I want to compliment you on your very fine article. Uh, we came off of, just for the audience, uh, uh, an epic victory uh, with the president intervening to stop uh, the movement of the $45 billion international fund of the Federal Thrift Savings Plan that was going to head into an index that was uh, tracking the so-called MSCI, All Country World XUS Index, a big name, but the long and short of it is that that index is replete with U.S. sanctioned and other bad actor. So it was a a disaster in the making. And uh, we would find our uniform military uh, investing, for example, in PLA advanced weapons manufacturers uh, whose sole mission in life is to kill them in the event of a conflict. So this was a very big development uh, in the U.S. capital markets. uh, And the president stepped forward, uh, as I say, just in time uh, barely two weeks before this was going to be a reality and save the save the day. Uh, some of us have been working on it for 10 or 11 months. It was a, uh, a quite a twilight struggle, as they say, uh, because not everybody uh, in the administration was, uh, was on board the same train. But leave it to say that uh, now we're facing uh, another reality uh, that also was the case with the, the thrift savings plan, which is the lack of investor protection. I mean, my goodness, uh, the Chinese have refused to submit uh, to, uh, to audits of the type that are required by U.S. law under Sarbanes-Oxley, something called the Public Company Auditing Oversight Board, which was set up to make sure that the audits of companies coming into our markets are valid and accurate. The Chinese have refused steadfastly. They don't disclose any of their corporate financials, which are viewed uh, as state secrets. Uh, They're not in compliance with uh, these laws, both uh, Sarbanes-Oxley and and Dodd-Frank. So it really gets down to a 
an astonishing situation where uh, the Chinese are, as I say, are receiving preferential treatment in our markets over uh, over our own American companies. And this is, a, of course, an unsustainable, unacceptable situation. A lot of people ask, well, listen, we make a lot of market uh, money on the market. And if China companies can make me money, what's the harm? And uh, we just learned of a harm, right? Because back in uh, April, we learned that there was a Chinese company uh, promising to become the next Starbucks of China called Lucan Coffee. And uh, it raised a half billion dollars of equity in the United States on our markets by claiming it had a valuation of about $12 billion. And in March and April, it collapsed. And the, uh, it had to admit in a very embarrassing way that it had made up. It had basically um, fabricated its revenue numbers to lure American investors in to, to back its its quest. Uh, when when Americans lose that sort of money on an investment, that's the real reason why we have these, these requirements of Sarbanes-Oxley and why uh, you and others are arguing that the Chinese need to be held to the same account as American companies, correct? Indeed. I mean, we can't have the Chinese as a complete black box where you can't perform any diligence. You can't assess any risk. You have no idea what they do for a living, what their subsidiaries do for a living. As they say, some of them were actually sanctioned by the United States. Some of them are PLA affiliated. Others are engaged in egregious human rights abuses of the type that are equipping concentration camps in Xinjiang, China, holding over a million Uyghurs uh, in such camps. Uh, so this is the kind of situation that, that we've been facing here. Another company is Gang Mai Pharmaceutical. That particular fraud, John, was $4.4 billion in right. overstated uh, revenues. So in other words, we're going to go through a string of these very serious and frankly devastating revelations for American investors only because we're giving China a pass on those very rules and regulations, including those of the SEC, such as material risk disclosure, that we have to have uh, to make informed investor investment decisions. So the um, the law, Sarbanes-Oxley, which was created after the uh, the Enron and other scandals in the uh, earlier this uh, millennium, they, uh, it created an entity called the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, PCAOB. And a lot of Americans have never heard of it, but it plays an important role. It works with the Securities and Exchange Commission to essentially make sure that the audits that are done of companies that Americans then invest their money in are solid. They meet the best standards, the gold standards of accounting. This uh, board had had significant concerns for years with China, yet in 2013 went ahead anyways and created a memorandum of understanding, an MOU, to allow China uh, to continue to put its companies on the on the marketplace in return for a promise of being able to review the documents. Now, it was a halfway promise, right? Because the normal requirement is both access to documents and inspections. The Chinese wouldn't give them inspections, but they made a halfway deal. Take us back to 2013 in the Obama-Biden era. What was going on and why would PCAOB make such a deal with the Chinese when it was only getting half of what the law required? Well, I wouldn't even say it was getting half. And you pointed out uh, in your introductory remarks that for seven years, we've watched that uh, that MOU uh, languish, none of it enforced. I mean, we, we went exactly nowhere in penetrating the black box we were just talking about for 
American investors. You know, this is a time where uh, the president and the vice president at the time were suggesting that the rise of China was an excellent thing for the world. Uh, It was very good for the United States, uh, that greater interaction between our economies could only lead to greater geopolitical harmony. It's very similar to the first detente that took place between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, where commercial bridge building was supposed to uh, uh, result in greater geopolitical understanding. Of course, the Soviets uh, reneged on that deal and opened the champagne as they stole us blind on technology and uh, other benefits. Uh, The Chinese have cynically taken the same course of action. Uh, We now know uh, that uh, we didn't get any kind of political pluralism out of these uh, economic interactions. All we produced was a massive hemorrhaging of American jobs and industry, and uh, we lost uh, terribly on uh, national security relevant uh, technology, militarily relevant technology, uh, and the list goes on. I mean, it's like the WTO noncompliance with the World Trade Organization. We were taken to the cleaners there. No matter what category you look at, China was never intending uh, to abide by these new international trading and financial rules, and we're still there. But again, the seeds were planted uh, at that time in 2013, uh, tragically, and we're paying reaping the whirlwind now. Right around the time that the PCAOB made this deal with China, 2012-2013, um, Vice President Joe Biden, now running for the 2020 uh, nomination and to become president, uh, penned an op-ed. And in it, he wrote, I'm just going to read a, a quick uh, sentence or two from it because I think it's very insightful. Some here and in the region see China's growth as a threat, Biden wrote, entertaining visions of a Cold War-style rivalry or great power confrontation. Some Chinese worry that our aim in the Asia-Pacific is to contain China's rise. I reject these views. I remain convinced that a successful China can make our country more prosperous, not less. Was that the mindset of the Obama administration then, that China wasn't a threat and that if they got rich, we'd all get rich too? Was that, was that the, the thinking at that point? I think it's an accurate depiction, and it couldn't be more wrongheaded. Uh, I mean, all we've done is create an existential threat uh, to everything we hold dear in this country. Uh, All we've done is to create a near competitor militarily that has frontline hypersonic weapon systems and cutting edge systems of the type that endanger our forces around the world every day. I mean, this is, this was a horribly naive uh, position to take Uh, this. It's easy to, to, Forget or put out of your mind the fact that we're dealing with a totalitarian police state here. Uh, There's no democratic impulses going on. They adopt the language of democracy. They adopt the language of the markets. They know the lexicon beautifully, and they play us like a Stradivarius. Uh, We've been taken to the cleaners by greed and short-term thinking and, again, naive hope. And all of these things are a recipe for a national security and economic and jobs-related disaster for the United States. And that's where we've ended up, sadly.
It's remarkable, too, that uh, after penning those words and after being part of an administration that tried to open a dialogue with China and, and make concessions to to create a more friendly relationship, that Biden recently seems to have flip-flopped, right? As Trump has begun to attack him on his record of China, uh, Biden has sort of gone to the complete other side and suggested, well, China's a threat and, and uh, Trump isn't taking it seriously. How did that happen and how will American voters sort this out in the fall? Well, they're going to go back and look at the record, uh, would, be my, would be my thought. I mean, they're going to find quotes like the one that you just cited and many, many others. They're going to be able to look at a track record of perilous misjudgment and naivete. They're going to be, they're going to be witnessing an opportunistic shift in, in the position of the former vice president uh, whereby he's now actually trying to be uh, to outflank uh, the president to the right on national security. I mean, th- this is fanciful, uh, and 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 it's 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 deceptive, frankly. And so it's a, just a sad uh, commentary that we're witnessing here. Um, I think the president is in a very strong shape on China. I think that the capital markets initiative is going to turn out to be of historic importance uh, for him and for the nation. I think that there's trillions of dollars that we've uh, had pulled out of our markets in the form of Chinese equity and debt fundraising uh, that is providing the seemingly limitless checking account they walk around with globally to buy countries, regions, and even continents like Africa, how they have these massive military buildup and so forth. Who's financing all that, John? Well. The short answer is, to a large extent, ourselves. It is remarkable, right? It's just uh, just an amazing thing. So I had the pleasure of uh, talking yesterday to Michael Pillsbury, the uh, president's foremost China advisor on the outside of the White House. He's not a, a government employee, but an outside advisor. Wrote one of the epic books on the on the struggle between America and China and what uh, we were not seeing in 2015. Much of that's come true. He said he is recommending to the president that he intervene on this matter. And just like he did with the federal pension funds and, and got them to stop the process of investing in Chinese companies, he thinks it's time for the president to hold the Chinese feet to the fire and tell them that if they don't comply with this MOU, they're going to have their companies not delisted, but deregistered. What do you think of that approach? And do you think Trump could possibly intervene a second time on China like he did earlier this month? I, I do. I think he, he's prepared to do that. I think if one were to watch uh, Larry Kudlow, director of the National Economic Council, who appeared today on uh, Maria Bartiromo's morning program, uh, Larry was very robust. He was very clear about the president's wishes that this kind of preferential treatment would not stand. He's, he, they, are, they are serious about weeding out these national security and human rights abusers, corporate abusers from our markets. They are not interested in any of this kind of black box activity that are going to harm, continue to harm American investors and take American jobs. So I, I think that the president's right, right thinking on this and is, is filled with a resolve. Uh, I think that Mike Pillsbury uh, is right about the idea that we need to withdraw from the May 7th, 2013 MOU between the PCAOB and China Security Regulatory Commission, 
Uh, that's been a disaster. I think it's time to hold feet to the fire. And if the Chinese don't comply with federal securities laws and SEC regulations on material risk disclosure, I think those companies, after a distinguished period of time, some months to give them a chance to comply, if they don't do so then, those non-compliant companies should be properly deregistered uh, from U.S. exchanges. This danger to American investors has to stop. It is it is truly remarkable the um, the willful blindness to it. I had more uh, more of Moynihan, a, a very liberal Democrat, and probably not someone that would ever have supported either Presidents Reagan or Trump, but uh, very strong on China issues, and said that her party essentially has been bought off over the years uh, by China. The lure of money, whether it's political money or investment money or opportunity to make money on Wall Street has uh, blinded them to their core value that they that they should be standing up at all times for human rights. Have the parties flipped on this issue of human rights? Are Republicans a stronger voice on human rights today than the Democrats? Well, sadly, uh, it appears to be the case. I mean, the Democrats, you didn't hear really much of a peep uh, from all but a handful of Democrats like Gene Shaheen of New Hampshire and others. Right. <clears throat> but there was, it was a small group. And yet, here we are with, with the scores of millions of Americans unwittingly investing in, for example, Hancho Hikvision uh, Digital Technology. That, what does that company do for a living? Well, it makes the surveillance cameras that appear every few meters atop the walls of the concentration camps in Xinjiang, China, as I said, holding over a million Uyghurs. Uh, the, the facial recognition Chinese companies that are picking up Tibetans at train stations uh, so that they can be incarcerated. Uh, Nancy Pelosi cares deeply about the Tibetans, it said, but where, where were the Democrats? I mean, I work the TSP issue, the thrift savings plan issue, every day, you know, having unearthed it myself in uh, July of last year, and saw the progress uh, here. And I can tell you that there was a dearth of democratic outcry, and and it was really quite shocking to me because I thought this was this was made for bipartisanship. I mean, this is a clear-cut issue. Even if you're not consumed by national security concerns, surely you understand the human rights elements and the fundamental values of ours that are being crushed uh, by uh, the Chinese surveillance state. But but it appears no. So uh, <clears throat> I think that it's been a real lesson. And I hope the Democrats will get serious about the fact that uh, they need to take action that <clears throat> is consistent with their words. It is a remarkable time. And um, one of the pushbacks that people give when they hear about this issue on Wall Street, and even the president referenced it in his interview with Maria Bartiroma last, last week, was, yeah, the Chinese are cheating, but if we press them too hard, they'll simply take their business opportunities somewhere else. Do you buy that argument? Is that a legitimate pushback for uh, not all, uh, for exempting them from having to uh, comply with uh, Sarbanes-Oxy like other American companies? I don't think so. Uh, I must tell you, John. I mean, let, listen, let, let's go through just a couple of statistics here. Uh, the United States has over 60% of the world's liquidity in our markets. Uh, our capital markets are the size of the rest of the world's combined we have the deepest pool of investors by far. We have not just the liquidity, but we have the research support, 
We've got the prestige. Uh, we utterly dominate the financial domain on this planet. Those are the facts of the case. So you're in an area here where the United States <clears throat> controls the landscape. We haven't even talked about the fact that we hold the world's reserve currency, the dollar, which China has a voracious appetite for. They have massive funding needs every day. London, Hong Kong, these other markets don't have the liquidity, the depth, the volumes to be able to handle these massive fundraising needs of the Chinese. Uh, they don't have the risk appetite either. You know, when, they, when you list in these other countries, guess what happens? They offload those debt and equity offerings and the risk back into the U.S. capital markets. Now, that's how dominant we are. So the notion that <clears throat> the China, Chinese companies can blithely go elsewhere if they see us having the nerve to enforce our federal securities laws and our SEC regulations is simply, frankly, not valid. Uh, I think the president wasn't given the full story on this, and because a lot of folks are in Wall Street and elsewhere are trying to, frankly, avoid this next shoe dropping. That is, that we're going to hold Chinese corporate feet to the fire, that we're going to demand equal treatment with U.S. companies. We're going to weed out those bad actors in the national security and human rights arenas. And we're not, we're going to be disciplined, we're going to be vigilant, and we're not going to be taken to the cleaners anymore. It's a, it's a really dramatic time. And, and um, I was thinking the other day, I, uh, back in 2011, I had a chance to spend a day with uh, Bush 41, President George H.W. Bush down in Houston. And he told me this funny story that um, uh, as the transition was going on between he and Reagan, a group of Reagan advisors uh, gave him a big jar of jelly beans, which is, of course, uh, President Reagan's favorite snack. And on it, um, uh, it, had the, it had the inscription, ask yourself, what would Reagan do? And of course, the, the, uh, the inference was that when he was under stress, he should have a jelly bean from time to time rather than smoke or do something else. But uh, I think we could take that question today. As you look at the strategic landscape and as someone who advised President Reagan directly, um, what is the, the next two years? What, is the, uh, what would Reagan do in facing this challenge from China right now? And, and is Trump on that same path? I think that there's a, a, a lot of parallels between President Trump's current policies and those that Reagan would pursue. I mean, I think that, that the economic and financial portfolio would have been seen by Reagan as the soft underbelly of China. He would understand that we utterly dominate, as I said, the economic and financial domain on Earth today. I mean, the fact is that there's no peer competitor to the United States this is China's area of greatest vulnerability, and it's ours of greatest strength. It was the economic and financial piece that was the most secret of the Reagan strategy for the takedown of the Soviet Union. It's the one that we can't, could not let the Soviets be aware of, all of its pieces and all of its uh, integrated strategy. So <clears throat> this is the case in China today. I think that <clears throat> it's proper that Pre President Reagan would go after the economic and financial piece. I think he would go, he would be very intensely interested in correcting these abuses in the U.S. capital markets. Um, we would, of course, be much more aggressive in the South China Sea, as the president is, ensuring that China is not going to uh, set up these massive fortresses 
in the illegal islands in the South China Sea and claim that massive waterway that handles $5 trillion worth of trade annually as their own. I mean, the list goes on, but the point being, it has to be an integrated strategy, not just the military piece, but, you know, where, where China lives or dies, John, is the money. We've been looking at trade for a long time. Everybody understands it, the tariffs and the like. We've been looking at the technology piece and the military relevant technology that's emerging from the United States to China. But the money has never seen the light of day until now. Before March of last year, you can't find an article about it, not a single one. The point is, we have the world's money. China needs it, has to have it, is taking trillions of dollars of it, and it's within, and, and on preferential, almost illegal terms, uh, if you think about U.S. securities laws, this is our opportunity. Reagan would see it. I believe President Trump sees it. Well, one of the uh, the great lines that the president, uh, President Reagan gave us was uh, trust but verify. And right now, under the deal we have with China and the stock markets, we can't verify, therefore we can't trust. And I think that's what uh, the regulators are now telling investors. You can't, we can't assure that you can trust Chinese investments when they give you uh, numbers. It's a remarkable situation to find ourselves in. And let's hope that uh, there's a resolution on the horizon. Roger, you've been an eloquent voice on these issues, uh, both on um, both on the current issue involving the stock market and the prior issue uh, uh, in getting uh, the attention of the president to address the idea that military retirees pension funds might actually go into investing in Chinese companies that develop weapons to destroy America. I can't thank you enough for, for uh, your time today and also all the wisdom you've shared on these issues over the last few months. Well, I appreciate it, John. All right, folks, we're going to be uh, back after a quick commercial break, and uh, we'll come wrap things up for the day. Stay tuned. All right, welcome back, and let's wrap things up. Who would have thought that in one day we could get through China, Russia, and Ukraine scandals all in one podcast, but we did it thanks to the help of Roger Robinson, thanks to the extraordinary developments now being uh, now unfolding on Capitol Hill, thanks to Senator Lindsey Graham and the Senate Judiciary Committee and Senators Ron Johnson and Chuck Grassley on Senate Government Affairs and Finance. There is a lot to watch this week. Let's see what the subpoenas, uh, where the subpoenas end up on the Ukraine and Russia investigations. This is a moment of transparency uh, coming on the horizon for us. All those questions we haven't had answered, we may get answered this summer thanks to hearings and witnesses and new declassifications, new re releases of information dual hearings on Russia and Ukraine this summer, and uh, maybe a second intervention by President Trump in the Chinese markets. We heard it all here today on John Solomon Reports. Stay tuned with justthenews.com. We'll keep you apprised of all the developments and uh, look forward to being back with you on Thursday with another great guest and probably more breaking news on all of these very same stories. Until then, be safe. Enjoy your family. And I hope you're doing well. Keep in touch with us through justthenews.com. Great place to get breaking headlines and exclusive news 24-7. Until Thursday, I'm John Solomon signing off. <laughs>